Welcome back. This is your lovely friend, Keith. Um, and just to say uh, that none of y'all responded to my LDF awards asking for feedback, so I made some executive decisions. And please welcome to the stage our new co-host, John Campbell. Hey, girl. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, what's up, what's up? I have to say it feels so nice to have a co-host, and only half of the burden is on my shoulders now. Well, I mean, I have to say it, that it was an honor just to be nominated for the position. <laughs> I am so excited about being your co-host, Keith, and thank you for asking. It did mean a lot, seriously. You know, I was surprised you said yes, because you love to give me issues. I mean, I do, and I think it keeps you honest. I think it keeps you, uh, you know, you live a very, very uh, privileged life in South Africa with travel photos that shit on all of the rest of us. Well, and honestly, you know, sometimes I think you you have to be brought back down to the reality of, of what it means to be, um, you know, a fool. A yeah, long you do help fool, ground you me. Know? I, you, I try. I try. <laughs> I try. I, th- I feel like that's my role here, you know, and you do the same. So it's going to be I half of this podcast. Is this us dragging just each other? really <laughs> dragging each other for filth and debris? Yes, that's real. <laughs> um, I, I hope, hope you so. guys are into that. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, so, how should we start this season off? What do you think? Well, I mean, I would just love, since you did say yes to this co-hosting role, I'd love to hear a little bit about, like, what do you want to bring to the table? Because this has, you know, been a little bit of a creative baby of mine, and I've just been, like, fumbling around in the dark. So mm-hmm. it's kind of exciting to have a creative partner on this. So what is it that you want to bring to the Fools this year, John? So uh, when you first asked, I was I really did not... I didn't have an immediate sense of how I would fit into the the structure of the podcast as you had conceived it and and really you know molded it over season one. But I think what I ultimately uh, decided on was that the the thing most uh, that I miss most about our friendship here in the states is the the kind of like daily banter that <laughs> went, jumped from, you know, dragging each other appropriately, but also <laughs> from cultural commentary to, you know, watching you eat your lunch while okay. also watching a food video, okay? <laughs> no one needs to know about that. Is that what we're doing here, John? I mean, to, you know, political commentary, to wine at your place and like mm. having such deep conversations. So like having the opportunity on a weekly basis to uh, to to really regenerate and kind of reinvigorate those aspects of our friendship that I that like were not only kind of the the the, the foundation of how we became like best friends but mm-hmm. also the things I've missed most about you being gone Aww. 
is was like yeah like this is this actually makes perfect sense if we structure it in a way that like we are are still bringing in aspects of you know south africa the states our friendship but also just the opportunity to talk to each other i think it's in fitting with the uh the kind of ethos that you've created here oh well i certainly see a huge role for you and so i'm just really glad that this is finally happening but <laughs> we could stop with the keith watching youtube videos while eating food stories uh, and okay. stick well, to there will be more current okay. events <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. But yes, that it, it, that's how I uh, came to say yes and why I'm really excited about participating and co-hosting in season two. Great. Well, I mean, I know we're recording on a Sunday today, and so it's only really appropriate for me to have wine. But in the future, we still can have wine together if we, you know. We I'll, really can. I'll stay up just a little bit later for you because you know you I'm so 85 much. years old. Yeah. I mean, and by the you are a multivitamin bitch now. Mm -hmm. Then this is really what you are. And like uh, my grandmother used to say, like you are an adult, not an adult. <laughs> <laughs> you're very grown, okay, and by 9, 9 p.m., excuse me, you're like, all right, girls, well, it has been so nice talking to you. I'm gonna take it to the bedroom. Exactly. So I really, I, I appreciate you being able to stay up just a little later. I know that that goes against everything that you stand for, but. <laughs> it goes against my true nature. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Because you're also up at the crack ass of dawn. So I like, am a, I am very much a morning person. You really, really are. It really annoys Joe. <laughs> <laughs> also me as well, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so as we were getting ready for this episode, you sent through what I think is a really cute idea to kind mm -hmm. of crack open the surface of this new season. Uh, so you yes. want to introduce it to the folks? Yeah. So uh, I thought a really great way for all of you fools to get to know me, but uh, also to get a better sense of the, the Keith and I, the nature of our friendship, mm. would be to for each of us to ask a very quick lightning round of five questions to one another, and uh, we are only giving short answers, but hopefully it'll give you some insight and start to peel back some of the layers of what we are about, how our friendship, you know, dynamic it is really <laughs> paced <laughs> and built. Um, so yeah, just five qu quick get to know you questions. And I, and I hope these will at least start uh, the process of developing uh, a, a rapport and a basis for how you can come to understand the perspectives from which we're going to bring on the show. Gosh, I forgot how eloquent you are. Oh, girl, I'm just, <laughs> I am not eloquent, what? Now, wait, uh, we are answering the same questions, right? Correct. Okay, yes. good, because all of a sudden I was like, did I not have five questions ready for this? No, do you want to go first? Um, well, why don't you ask me, and then I'll ask you back. Perfect, okay, right, are you ready? Yes. Perfect, all right, here we go. Question number one. What's a movie that you know is really bad, <laughs> but you can't help but watch it every time it's on TV? Now, I hope that you agree with me on this one. Center stage. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to watch it. I used to have the VHS. I burnt the VHS I, out. I burnt. I, I mean, I literally wore that VHS out. Seriously. I was. <laughs> I could do that entire last number, the creative number, where she wore the red oh. point shoes. I could do the whole thing, okay? I could do the whole thing. Well, Seriously. it makes a lot more sense that you would love that movie since you were a professional ballet dancer. I, mean, I just listen, liked the guys in tights. <laughs> 
That's the only reason I started ballet in the first place. <laughs> I knew from a very young age who I was and what I wanted. Okay? Girl. Boys in tights, I am there. <laughs> um, okay, question number two. Wait, what about, what's your movie? Oh. Or do you want me to do all five? I was going to do all five, but okay. I guess maybe your, no, yours fine. makes sense. Okay. Uh, so question number two. Who was your first celebrity crush as a child? Okay. Now, I couldn't fully decide between two people. Okay. One, I feel like everyone will identify with, JTT, Justin Taylor Thomas. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, like yep, he was sure. everybody's celebrity crush. But uh-huh. I also had a weird attraction to Kirk Cameron from Growing Pains, which has now become very problematic because he is a bad yes. person. <laughs> he is not a good person. <laughs> But back then, wow. I was like, Kirk Cameron. Oh, my God. He, that is deep into your lore, okay? <laughs> I don't think many people know that about me, okay? So. No, okay, all right, okay, all right. Well, we're, we're going to put that on the shelf and come back to it at a different time to really dig into that. But I think you will find my answer kind of illuminating about me, oh, too. So, anyways, okay. question number three. What is the most recent book you've read that had a profound impact on you? I will say when I first saw this question, I said, okay, now I'm going to sound dumb because I don't read. But I actually have recently read a book. So. <laughs> All right. Well, girls, it's been so and nice listen, being on this no, podcast. Listen, it, did have, have, uh, it did have an impact on my life. It's called um, The New Passion Economy. And okay. it's uh, it's a book all about how business and the economy has really changed in like our our modern history and how you know all of our parents and their generation grew up with this idea of you know commodity uh business models where it's like the more you produce for cheaper but get more of the market so it's like just fill a certain role in a cog like be a cog Mm -hmm. of a larger machine Mm -hmm. and now with sort of the global economy, internet, um, there's just this market where you have to identify and carve out your part of the passion economy, where mm-hmm. you make your particular service, you know, whether it's consulting or it's um, linguistics or dance or something mm-hmm. that you do that makes you have joy, but you do well and you can offer it in such a way that it, it fulfills a client's needs, like building that small passion economy for you valuing the price of that so you're getting rewarded mm. for the thing that mm-hmm. you're you're offering um it I, I started reading it um just before 2021 and we'll get into this later but it has started a whole new side project for me in my life are you serious oh my yes. gosh this is fantastic <laughs> no that's awesome i can't wait to hear more about it okay um question number four what is the most memorable travel experience you've had in the last five years this is a hard one because she likes to get on a plane and she likes to see she, places. She does. She does. She loves to go around the world. Girl. <laughs> but I think I definitely have to pick my most recent travel experience for many reasons. Like one, it was kind of a very different experience than I've, I've done on trips before. We did this river rafting trip in the Orange River between South Africa and Namibia. And then it turned into an eight day road trip through Namibia, which is mm. basically like an entirely different planet. Like I have never seen nature look this weird and strange mm-hmm. and beautiful. Like it felt like we were on uh, Mars. Um, uh, and it was just like, you know, two weeks away from work is pretty fucking amazing. And yeah. to be in the desert and to be in places where we literally could not get internet, we couldn't get phone reception. And it was just us and these two really good friends of ours, um, Kevin and Andrew. 
it was it was an incredible experience, and I'm that's what I'm still posting pictures from, and which you tried to throw shade upon me for earlier in this introduction. <laughs> but I, I see mean, you like them. Gorgeous. So it's gorgeous. It, those, I mean, your photos documenting the entire experience are truly. I mean, they're stunning. <laughs> I mean, every time I see them, I'm like, goodness, I cannot wait until <laughs> Miss COVID gets over herself. Okay, and you fly your ass out here, <laughs> and I fly out there so that I too can take beautiful photos like that like that's why well, you I'm sure really can try no one's gonna say you're gonna achieve that i mean do you not know that i'm the next ansel adams have you not met me before? i've seen no proof of that so what do you want me well, to say you know listen we're <laughs> gonna keep the girls and you on the edge of your collective seats <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> okay i'm ready and and question number five if yes you we're on the real housewives of pretoria <laughs> What would your tagline be? Just like a good cookie, I'm always a little salty. God, that is perfect. <laughs> it's perfectly you because you are so food motivated. It absolutely makes sense. If you if want you me to do take... something, give me food. Absolutely. No, this is, I mean, this is exactly who you or are. Or withhold so food and then I'll do it well, even faster. Or then you... <laughs> Make the make the uh, opportunity for food dependent on you know performance, whatever you want. delivery, something. Right? Keith will be like Olympic level. Okay, about that. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you? Is it my turn now? It is your turn. If you oh. care to share. So, what is I'm, the movie you know is bad, but you can't help but watch every time it's on TV? All right. Oh God. I'm saying this against every bit of standum that lives within my body for Beyonce, but enough <laughs> with her and Idris Elba. <laughs> oh, oh it's, I've it never is, seen that. I can tell you it's a bad movie. Oh, it's so painfully bad. Oh my, from the beginning to and even Idris's performance is okay. Not now this great. is where we are gonna fight. Oh, I mean, and I love Idris, and you know that Beyonce is the literal queen. Of <laughs> she my is life. your deity. <laughs> she really is. I mean, she is the Orisha. Okay, Orisha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling. She is everything. But girl, this movie is so bad. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, and I can't help it. I watch it every time it's on television. So I have no uh, I have no problem admitting that. It, I'm not ashamed at all. <laughs> but I can absolutely 100% say that it is categorically a now, very, What very kind of channel does that type of movie come on? You know, the channels like... Uh, uh, <laughs> A, you know, a, a, a Hallmark. I Hallmark think, like, is what I was gonna guess. A, a, like a, or sometimes it's been on Lifetime too. Ooh, yep. uh, yeah. Uh, At it, least it my bad movie has a chance of being on like TNT or. Oh, I mean, are we really going to do <laughs> be competitive about like bad shit here? Is this what we're? Do you doing? know me at all? Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> together. It yeah. aligns. Okay. okay, I'm super interested to know who was your first celebrity crush as okay. a child. So, uh, to understand this, maybe it would help to also understand that that you are trash. 
first and foremost. Um, <laughs> secondly, I spent the first five, four years of my life, uh, I did not go to daycare. I did not, uh, I was an only child. And so my parents were working and my grandmother, my maternal grandmother kept me and she and I, I were very close. Mm-hmm. Um, and Every morning, she would have my breakfast ready when I got there, and we would watch her morning programming, which include a lineup of soap operas, okay? Okay. And so here I am looking at Young and the Restless at a very early age, <laughs> and I was infatuated with Nick Newman, who was the son of Victor Newman, and he's played by the uh, actor Josh Morrow. <laughs> Josh Morrow. <laughs> I need to look this up. You have to look him up. I don't, I honestly cannot tell you if he's ever been in anything else, truly. Oh, oh. But he was, I mean, a god of a man in that show. And like, I just remember being like, if this is what man is, then man is what I want. (laughs) Then man is what I want. Wait, wait a second. Do you know that he was in a soul pop group called Three Deep? What? Girl. You're lying. I'm oh not. I'm God, on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> Girl, I can tell you what else he could have been 3D in as well. Oh my goodness, he's so... Oh, he's still very attractive. He oh is. Goodness. And th- the fact that your celebrity crush comes from a show like The Young and the Restless mm. explains so much about your Doesn't... penchant for drama. Oh, yes. So she's uh, she she does live for drama, okay? And Very much. For so. the type of people that at least I have seen you dating. Oh. Okay. Wait a minute. This is too early in this in the this the season to go down this. We'll road unpack road, it later. Okay, okay perfect. If Great. you know, you know. <laughs> okay. Wow. So, now I'm going to be taken to school right now because you are one of the most uh, prolific readers in my friend group. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about the most recent book that you've read that had a profound impact on you. You know, it really, uh, I did, (laughs) given that all we can do is sit inside and look at the four walls, (laughs) uh, I have even surpassed my own expectations for how much I was going to read in 2020. (laughs) And so, uh, I mean, there was a quite an extensive list to choose from, but I think the one that had, the one that I ended up uh, deciding on to share with uh, you and the listeners today is that it's called called Cast, The Original Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson. Um, And so basically the premise is that she, that she, the author being Isabel Wilkerson, says that like racism is an insufficient term for the systemic oppression of Black people in America. Mm. And so instead, she prefers to uh, refer to America as having a caste system. And and she really goes into like incredible deep, like detailed prose to describe a caste system as an artificial hierarchy that helps uh, to determine the standing and the respect, the assumptions of beauty and competence, and even who gets the benefit of doubt and access to resources. And so, you know, one of the things I remember uh, most distinctly taking away from kind of the first half of the book is that Cass focuses on an infrastructure of our divisions and the rankings, whereas race as a construct is the metric that's used to determine one's place within that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And 
And it really just shifted my entire thinking on the way in which, you know, race is, is not only conceived, but uh, acted upon in mm-hmm. America. And given everything that we went through in 2020 Ugh. and are still going through in 2021 with a, a, a national reckoning with how we are going to, you know, move forward as a country by with either continuing to act as if the profound effects of that system, that infrastructure, Structure uh, and the the role of race within that infrastructure is either going to be uh, acknowledged and atoned for, or mm-hmm. we are going to continue to see this uh, incredibly, incredibly um, tense discourse and and uh, an, an atmosphere that is that is completely guided by like one side to completely denying right mm-hmm. this idea that you know how, of how important race is but uh, you know the injustices the inequality and the disparities with which everyone who is of the uh, of 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 the races that um, that are most oppressed and most marginalized has to deal with on a daily basis. So yeah. like, it's either going to, you know, we're either going to reckon with it or we're going to uh, continue this, <laughs> what America has liked to do, which is try to sweep that shit under the rug. And, you know, I think it's just such a profound moment uh, that we're in. And this book really spoke to it in a, in a way that I had not thought about before. So it was, it was a great like framework for, through which I could see, yeah. you know, what society was going through. So, and I, it was beautifully written, and, and Isabel Wilkerson is a fantastic author. So, And one more time for the people in the back, the book is? Cast, mm-hmm. The Origins of Our Discontents. Uh, it sounds it sounds really compelling, especially right now. Was this book is this book written recently, or was it sort of ahead of its time and sort of unpacking uh, everything that we're all I'm now reckoning sh- with? So I'm pretty sure that it, it, it came out in... T- like late 2019, okay. maybe early 2020. So she released it uh, uh, pretty recently, I think within like the last year or so. Okay. Well, yeah. hopefully this is on all of those um, books for white people to read lists. <laughs> so that she's, you know, I don't know if it's she's made getting it to some that extra one. pennies. <laughs> yeah, but it has been on like a, a, a lot of influential people's kind of top reading lists. So, you know, it was on Obama's reading list. It was on Michelle Obama's reading list. It was on Oprah's. It was yeah. an Oprah book club of the month. So it's definitely making its round. And she has been doing quite a bit of, of publicity. Of, of, of publicity. Uh, she's made her, her rounds in the circuit uh, because of the fact, you know, that it was such a timely book. And, and especially given what uh, the insurrection that happened happened on the United States Capitol in early January, you know, it's just even more apparent about uh, some of her insights that, you know, really come through Mm -hmm. um, about why we are, about why history is still, you know, has such a meaningful impact on on the the current um, kind of environment that we are living in Mm -hmm. and, and watching. So, yeah, she's she's fantastic, and I think she is just uh, such a refreshing um, voice to the the other choir of, of of authors who are speaking and have spoken on this for for decades, for for mm-hmm. hundreds of years, honestly. At this point, yeah, it's a shame it's yeah. last. It has it's had to have lasted that long. But listen, you know, I have sixteen audible credits. It's going to be the next <laughs> book that I download. Perfect, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I should stop my subscription, really. No, I mean, but I, 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 
<laughs> Audible has been so fantastic. Like I, for those that use it, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. If you're only reading one book, girl, in a year, a then year, maybe it's not for you. It's not for me. Okay, but they've got my money, and that's okay. <laughs> so and if that's okay you, if you were on the Real Housewives of Lumberton, mm. <laughs> what would your tagline be, girl? <laughs> I am never talking to you again. <laughs> okay. It would have to be, I've never had plastic surgery, but if I did, I'd make my left hand into a wine opener. <laughs> you are ridiculous. Uh, w- listen, the, the truth is the truth, and I said what I said, so. And it's accurate. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Uh, it's pretty, uh, very much a part of my uh, mystique, <laughs> I would say. Interesting word choice. Okay. You know, the one of the first hangout sessions where I feel like we really had a lot of fun together was at was... the R for D wine, uh, like the wine tasting. <laughs> yes. Girl. Oh you my You tried goodness. to speak French that night and I don't oh, know. Key. It looked you like know. your mind had a hard read a hard reset. You you do you do understand that Control, I am French, alt, delete. Right? Control you, alt delete was going on in I your brain. I am such a fantastic French speaker, and you know it. How did you give the people what they want then? Un, un petit déjeuner, <laughs> which means a little breakfast. Yes, Green. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. You better shut yes. me up. I I better. I better. Okay. I better. <laughs> yes. Parlez-vous français. <laughs> Oh my word. So, why don't we get started with uh, a bit of tea of the week? And by that, I mean this section we are going to, in this segment, we're going to really discuss uh, the latest news, um, current politics, uh, issues of importance. here in America and in South Africa or in general, you know, um, and really decide or on uh, a few topics every week to share with you guys that speak to the current uh, trending news and topics of, of 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 most import to Keith and I, but hopefully <laughs> you'll find it too. <laughs> you'll find it interesting as well. And if not, you know, just Listen anyway. Um, <laughs> that's what you're just, here for. So that's sit what you're down. here for. So just sit down, tuck in, and you know, pour yourself a glass of wine and get into it. <laughs> I love so, that. Let's go. So, so listen, I think it, it is incumbent upon us to to take a moment and reflect on the iconic, the incomparable, and just incredibly talented Whitney (laughs) Houston, okay? And I think it's so important to do so now because 30 years, 30 years since that, I mean, truly transformative performance she gave at the 1991 uh, Super Bowl 25 of the Star Spangled Banner, not only has, I mean, it has 
it had such a profound effect on me because truly every time I think of 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 the Star Spangled Banner, I think of Whitney Houston. I think of I mean, literally, it is her voice. It is her her tracksuit. Okay, it is the, her, <laughs> yes. her headband. It is her headband and that synthetic wig she had put in the microwave Ooh. right before she went Ooh. out to the to the, to the field. Okay. It is all of those things, right? Mm. That I think of when I think of the Star Spangled Banner. You don't think of Fergie. Like, <laughs> Sorry. When I tell you that the reaction on Steph Curry's face as she was singing that song is me. Okay, it that was entire time. Like we I was so confused as to what we were listening to. Like were we listening to a dying goat? I think she was having a live bowel movement. She didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> it truly sounded like a, a full body diarrhea and I could not <laughs> understand it. I could not understand why she thought that was an appropriate arrangement, rendition, interpretation. It was all bad. It was just bad. I mean, she could, her diction, we, she didn't even say the words. She was making up She words. was just moaning. Exactly. Much unlike I mean, the queen that you are trying to give respect to, which is Whitney. who is uh, who who really is the metric by and the barometer by which everyone else is measured to their detriment, and mm-hmm. honestly, it's rightfully so. So I just want to kind of set the stage a bit. You know, it is 1991. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's in a tracksuit with a synthetic yeah, okay. wig. She, she's a, with a synthetic wig, honey. Okay, she's so it was the 90s, John. The f- give her some leeway. And it looks like the 90s, too, oh. truly. It, I mean, it looks like the 90s. But, you know, like, that look was so very different from what you had come to expect of Whitney. Whitney is, now, Whitney cannot dance at all, okay? But she knows oh, she can't dance. just like some people I know. I know that you aren't speaking No, girl, me. you're a professional ballet dancer. Oh, okay, because I was about to say, girl, you don't want to see me body. But, um, actually, you probably do. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we see her standing in, you know, it's not a you know, big gown with elaborate jewelry. It is her in this like very American, very girl around the way. I'm looking at pictures now. <laughs> I had I had one very similar. Okay. Mine was probably more flamboyant, like bright pink or something, but you know, I had the the very bold colors of the nineties too. <laughs> in a few of mine. Me and my mom used to wear matching ones. Don't talk uh, don't ta- don't talk to me about it. Okay. Oh. I still uh, yeah. Um but you know we see her, she's surrounded by the the Florida Orchestra and honestly she just waved to the girls she stood there put her hands behind her back and she gave us the most (laughs) flat-footed most assured like confident version of the song that I think has ever existed but that is maybe me being biased I mean what do you what was your do you remember it at all do you know listen that you got I have been okay. gay since the day I was removed from my mother. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so I did not watch the Super Bowl ever. Uh-huh. Um, so no, okay. I can't say that I confidently remember this performance. I can say that I confidently would have loved it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But no, it does not It does not resonate in my hall of memories. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, I was six at the time so i don't remember watching it but i remember growing up that was the version that i always you know saw referred to and um i don't know i think there is something about like 
it was such a tour de force mm -hmm. and like her voice really was kind of a defining uh uh the defining aspect i think of the performance was her you know the way in which she interpreted it and i think it has a really cool story so and keith i think you'll appreciate it because um because of your music background and given you're a vocalist as well. <laughs> uh, so her basically when they asked her to do it, um, her music manager at the time was very intent on giving Whitney the opportunity to soar with this performance. He mm. knew how important it was given the context of everything that was happening in America at the time. You know, we had just gone to war in Iraq. There was... Um, uh, you know, we had been thrust into like another Middle Eastern conflict and there was just not a lot of, uh, the American sentiment was, was tense, but also it was an opportunity mm -hmm. to galvanize people behind, uh, American excellence as mm. it's referred to. Um, and you know, what better singer and what better pop star to do so than the voice of Whitney Houston? And so her yeah. music manager really wanted to give her the opportunity to uh, to use that performance as a way in which to bring people together. And so when he asked Whitney what her uh, her her favorite national rendition of the national anthem that she's ever had was, she referred to one that had been sang by Marvin Gaye. Oh, and I want to look that up. And basically, it's just him with a, a drum beat behind him, a very, you know, simple track. But the thing that he did that she liked about it was he didn't rush through it. He had uh, he had opportunity to make it some make it feel mm -hmm. like he could nurture the notes. And that's mm. exactly what they did for her. So the actual anthem is written in three, four. So basically, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's. It, if you're counting, you know, one, two, three per measure, it's it's kind of a syncopated waltzy type thing. So you don't have a lot of time to really add your flavor to it. So what they did was they added a fourth beat and they made it four four, which really gave Whitney the opportunity within each verse uh, to to really build momentum and to mm -hmm. do things that if you're you know if you cut that last beat off you don't you wouldn't have time to do and i just think it made all the difference because i mean if you think about it like when she goes into that and uh, uh, you know, uh, oh i'm forgetting give it to us girl oh. give it to us and wow land of the brave uh, no free when she sings the word free land okay? of the free yeah that part which <laughs> okay. is a lie but you know <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, when she sings that word, it is, I mean, it changed the way in which everyone would interpret this song afterward. And honestly, mm -hmm. I think because the significance to me now as a 32 year old gay black man is that I hear this song and I think about, you know, having Whitney sing the national anthem at that point in time and watching it on watching it now it really does speak to you know the idea of America being the opportunity of freedom being accessible to mm. all of us you know and it never so, has been never will be and that is that's the the damning part but the mm. part that is 
hopeful at least for me when i hear whitney sing it is it's the echo of her voice right this Mm -hmm. instant singing kind of you know more than a quarter of a century ago where she sounded like what i thought it was to be an american and what i think is the more perfect union uh that can exist if we're willing to do the work but it does it has so much emotional resonance from resident resonance for me because uh you know and, and meaning right now, I mean, national pride and all of patriotism, all of that's at an all-time low. But hearing Whitney Houston sing that song mm-hmm. never f- ceases to make me feel like anything other than proud. And that's weird, you know? It's a weird thing to feel patriotic about a country in which your presence is often, you know, considered second class. So, mm-hmm. but her voice searing into the and soaring into that <laughs> that that high e above middle c girl oh it it never it never ceases to make me feel like get goosebumps i, I have goosebumps thinking about it right now yeah uh, so i, I just think you know we have to pay homage to the 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 queen mother herself seriously she has an unparalleled voice in the history of music for sure yeah. but can i be controversial yet brave absolutely on a recent on. road trip, we were listening to some Spotify playlist. And okay. the original version of mm. How Will I Know came on. Yes. And I will say as a gay man of a certain age, mm-hmm. I had forgotten what the original had sounded like. <laughs> Wait, am I not? Am I, not I can only think of the version of that song that gets played in gay clubs where it's just like, over an EDM beat, and they are like bringing oh. her her riffs in and out of the song. And when yeah. I heard that straight up original, I was like, "This is a bad song." <laughs> she sounded so corny. I don't know. I listen. I know that I'm gonna get dragged no. across the concrete floor, but no, I had gotten so used to the remix that for me it was like some of. A representation of some of the most fun moments that I've had as a gay man in different clubs around the United States. That when I heard the original again after so long, I was like, this is not it. <laughs> Wait. Okay, so I will give you that it is not. It is, they wanted her to be bubblegum pop. They wanted And that's to, what it is. That's what was so surprising. I was like, this doesn't yeah, feel like Whitney. Exactly. That first <laughs> album. I mean, and even there are later interviews of her saying, <clears throat> you know, that wasn't her. That is what, you know, Clive, Dave, Clive Davis and the people at Arista wanted her to be. And yeah. they thought that was the image that she would need to... Uh, to really chart the all of the top, you know, one hundred list of everything, mm-hmm. and she did instantly. Well, she did that, right? yeah. But yeah, she didn't have any real say or creative uh, kind of leeway in that first album, and I think that it it was one of the things that she commented on later in her life that she wish she wishes she could have put more of her gospel background and and R and B and soul influence into that uh, album. But you know, it was how what many the, lives the has singing. Clyde Davis ruined? Oh, I mean, what a dreadful man <laughs> did i just say his name right <laughs> clive davis i said clyde okay um no, well That's then just yes, the name of my bike wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, um, I just think, you know, we had to take, we would be remiss if we did not take a moment to, you know, honor Whitney and her legacy and how that song 30 years later really still is the, the shining example of how it should be sung. And, you know, many have tried since, okay, and failed. <laughs> and you, I, I don't know. I was talking to another friend about it, and for me, Keith, the thing that, like, Whitney just knew how to... It's not that it's a very, like, ornate. There are mm. not a lot of vocal embellishments. There are not a lot of runs and riffs. It's pretty simple, but she has the the presence and mm -hmm. the, the... The gravitas. She, and the gravitas, exactly. And that's what I think, you know, she was... Uh, the the thing about it was that she was always able to like know where she and her voice fit within the song, you know? Mm -hmm. Like forgot when Gaga sang, you know, at the 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 recent inauguration of Joe mm -hmm. Biden and Kamala I was gonna Harris, ask your opinion about that. It was very gaga. It was fine. It was very gaga. It was very technically sound. You know, yeah. Gaga isn't gonna give you bad vocals. She's not gonna give you Fergie. It, Okay, never. <laughs> but, but she would. She, I don't think that she uh, sufficiently put herself within the moment. She tried to make the moment come to her as Gaga, and I think that was what did not resonate with mm -hmm. a lot of people. It just felt like you know, she sang a nice version of it but it didn't have the emotional appeal yeah uh, that i think was so emblematic of of whitney's performance and i think honestly what makes that song ever resonate with people is that you, it has to have you know you have to know where to insert your voice and your song yeah. and yourself into into it and i mean that was very clearly demonstrated soon after gaga when <laughs> The poet laureate Amanda Gorman came up and Absolutely. like that was an entirely different like that was a moment that very much made you feel the way that we should be feeling in this mm -hmm. time. It expressed what a lot of people are feeling and sort of the importance of what hopefully this transition of power um, is going to lead us into, which is a time where we actually need to like remember what it is to work together, what it is to care for someone else who is n maybe not of your own self-interest, but who is another human individual that you're sharing this planet with. And I, I just feel like she she delivered what Gaga didn't. Gaga sang a song, and it was just about her, as opposed to I think Amanda Gorman was very humble in the delivery of the message and not making it about her. Although I will say she has more artistic expression in her hands than I will ever have in my entire body. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. For sure. And full circle, Amanda Gorman is opening up the Super Bowl. This is what I've Which read. is bizarre. It's but you know what? Bizarre. I hope that I hope that it helps to continue to elevate her voice because it is an important voice that I think we all need in 2021, but it is, I will be clear and say that I think it's weird. <laughs> it is very, it, it is weird. And I think that it is, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to be received. And I, <laughs> I, I just, I just worry that, you know, that may not be the right place. I, I love it for her. For her. Know? 
I hope she doesn't get a lot of I don't know. I don't I don't see that audience being very like jazzed or excited about getting a poem. I'm here for it. Oh, me too. I live for it, and I live for her. I think she is phenomenal. Yeah. But you know the the girls that go down to the Super Bowl, even at a time of a they global panorama, us. honey, they are not us. And I don't know if they are also global panorama. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just don't know if they're if they are gonna be there. They're here to see, you know, men <laughs> fucking just wrestle. Wear on the tight field. spandex, just like we loved about center okay. stage. Okay, sure, I guess. Also, before we move on from before we move on from Super Bowl, what are your thoughts about the weekend? The artist, the weekend. Yes, exactly. He's the he's the halftime show this year. I cannot even believe the weekend is considered big enough to be. To, Thank he, you. This is this is news. How many me, songs girl. could he possibly sing? He's had how many hits? Uh, I mean, and how it's different fun. will they all sound? It's going to be one note the entire fucking halftime show. He's going to sit in his falsetto with I his will ne- like. Yes. I just can't. And also, like, listen. I'm, you know, I might only have read one or two articles about this. I may not be going deep enough to understand his lyrical musings. Mm. But the fact that someone who talks about corrective rape is giving a platform to perform at a halftime show, which is one of the most widely watched shows in the entire world, I'm just, I'm not here for it. I don't think he deserves it. He's never, maybe he has, I don't know. I've not done the research. I will say this, I'm a lazy millennial. But maybe he's, I don't think he's ever apologized for the way that those lyrics can be interpreted by people who have experienced corrective rape in the past. So, that's it. Girl, that we are even talking about <laughs> corrective rape and The weekend is is insane to me. I had no clue. I didn't know anything about this, which only makes it worse that he would be given such a massive platform mm. to sing his R&B, his R&B suck your soul lyrics. Like, I, <laughs> oh no, I, I <laughs> not hate suck your voice. soul. I hate his voice. I just I don't think it's. It. And it you know, I remember good. when he won. He won like the American Music Awards back in like 2015. He won the whole like, show for <laughs> for best R and B and soul. And Got I remember it. thinking like, <clears throat> no, ma'am, this is not it. This is absolutely not it. The weekend just tries to croon over the top in his falsetto <laughs> of all these songs, and it just gives you like. Uh, uninspired, like trance music that I I don't know. He does not do it for me, and I I feel like he's trying to be the next, uh, you know, Michael Jackson. Thank you. And I was gonna say what, it. That's what he has always said. He's like, you know, I'm I'm the next Michael Jackson, and I just want to tell you, I have about fifty things that, <laughs> that I want to say are wrong about that. Okay, and I'm sure I can cut you in for a few of them. <laughs> Like that—that that is absolutely not it, and you and know, neither is he, and neither is he. <laughs> so I will not be tuning into this Super Bowl yeah, for many either. reasons, and one of them is I don't care to see the weekend. You will never be J Lo and Shakira, which is what we all needed in 2020. Okay, can I tell you what? John, um, you know what else no one asked anyone to do? What is that? Fucking James Corden to play a flamboyant offensive gay man 
in what could have been a wonderful campy musical on Netflix. Absolutely. You know what else they didn't ask him to do? What, girl? Get nominated for a fucking Golden Globe. (laughs) Okay? Read the room. This is our hot take section. Those of you who are long-distance foolery, long-time listeners will know what this section is about, but it is getting a revamp with me and John, and it is where we discuss things that make us angry. We And this, okay? <laughs> this this is it. Right now. This is it. For all of us. If you don't know what we're talking about, get the fuck on the internet and research this because so many things are wrong with it. John, what I do mean, you think about this whole situation? I know I proposed this as a topic, but I feel like you have some hot takes about it. I mean, you know, this you could not have proposed a more hot take ready <laughs> topic. <laughs> like, welcome to fucking 2021 a world in which james corden is nominated for a golden globe and meryl streep is snubbed when she was stood right beside him (laughs) and outperformed him the entire time if you haven't seen the prom uh, (laughs) i promise you it's ryan murphy's take on a broadway show and it really absolutely had the Potential to be an incredibly, like Keith said, campy, wonderful, you know, movie. And James Corden really was the demise of it for me because I was so incredibly, like, just disgusted the entire time that this straight man was on, t- was like on my screen, okay, taking up the pixels on my MacBook. And with this, <laughs> not horrible, your MacBook. Before, okay. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> it's just, for me, for me, well, there's a lot of things for me for this, but one of the things, it's like, in the movie itself was Andrew Rannells, who mm-hmm. is a homosexual, yep. who is a full-blown Broadway actor, singer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I get it, like James Corden is a lovely person and I loved him a lot before this. Me too. But now I just question so much the choices that he's made in his life. For someone who has probably suffered a lot from gay stereotypes and having been asked often, are you gay? You know, like that he has probably had to deal with that a lot. His his marriage has had to deal with that a lot to then feed into those gay Mm -hmm. stereotypes. And when given a chance to portray a gay person who struggles with real gay storylines to take it in that direction felt so offensive to me. I couldn't. It's a hate crime, Keith. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I am not joking. I mean, obviously I'm being hyperbolic in this moment, but it was like, what a casting blunder for Ryan Murphy to have chosen him. There are just so many wonderful gay actors who are already popular. Like if you were scared Mm -hmm. about putting an unknown in that role, fine. You put a not unknown in a supporting role Mm -hmm. beside him. Mm -hmm. There are many other, like any, I'm sorry. Like the original cast star, Brooks uh, Ashman, because I think his last name is, was a perfect choice. And Ryan completely overlooked that for James Corden for the celebrity factor. Yeah. And this Even is though much he on... overlooked the fact that this is a gay role. And yes. there are gay actors who play gay roles in 2020. Uh, <laughs> and for that, like, it's on James Corden. It's also on Ryan Murphy. For sure. But I, I'm, holding J- I'm holding James Corden mostly accountable because, like, 
once you got the role, the, the responsibility of being a straight actor taking on that role, he should have done more. He really, I, I, I don't know what more he could have done. He's not gay. <laughs> well, I mean, exactly. But like, if you're about to take that, you're signing, you're like endorsing that paycheck and you're like depositing that into your account, do better. <sighs> yeah, no, it, it was just true. It, it was, it just felt like such a, a lost opportunity to do something really well and thoughtfully and inclusively. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, I mean, they, they dropped the ball completely. And I, I don't know. But honestly, like the Golden Globes just does <laughs> not have a history of making the best decision. No, it sure doesn't. I mean, and it still doesn't. Si- no, for sure. Sandra Day- Sandra O oh didn't get nominated for uh, for her show. I need to see Can that show. Leave? I haven't seen it yet. But he did for this. This is, I mean, <laughs> it is comedy. That's why they call the the category comedy. Like it has to be because it is comedic to think that they would, I mean, completely overlook such worthy performances and mm. and moving performances and meaningful performances for his half-assed attempt at a gay man. Exactly. And also just Mm -hmm. like, so I just have a larger issue around at this point, at this day and age, like I understand maybe the choices to cast um, more famous straight male actors in gay roles in previous decades or in previous years where your goal was to elevate a gay story and to do that for a broad, wide audience. You want to put someone who's traditionally seen as an actor in that role so that people come to see them play that story, right? Right. I get that. I get it back then. Like, I understood it for Brokeback Mountain. I, you know, like, back then I I really was here for that. I don't know, in retrospect, if I still stand by my approval of casting two straight actors in those roles. But for, for this moment in time where we are finally getting the the pedestal to speak on and given the recognition that we deserve as holding up a lot of popular culture <laughs> for a lot of sen- for a lot of reasons mm-hmm. you don't have to pick a straight actor there is an entire playing card deck of people Girl, that could have done a better a job notebook, in that role a binder full of gays okay this is <laughs> like bringing the- it back to <laughs> 2012 with a binder okay, full with, of women with, there are a binder full Nick of gays okay Ron- <laughs> John, yes. You know I dressed up as a binder full of women for Halloween that year. <laughs> Me too. I look I was a binder and I, I was a binder and honestly I had on white tights, girl, I had on white sneakers. I, I was You did more than cool. me. I put fucking like, I don't know, foam board around me and just pasted magazine cutouts of women on it and I said, I'm a binder full of women. I'm a binder full of women, okay. Um, no, I mean, just what a missed opportunity. And to that I say, Golden Globes, there's no excuse not to do better. Do the fuck better. Well, do you want to talk about the other huge Golden Globes uh, snub? I mean, I sure. can't speak on it because I haven't seen it yet. Okay, but... well, I think, you know, I think we should, I, I honestly think we should uh, discuss it in detail at a later episode. But okay. I really, the... The fact that uh, Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You did not get nominated was, is one of the biggest and, and oh, like, acts of... of aggression. Of aggression. <laughs> There's no other <laughs> word for it. I, that I can imagine on the part of the Golden Globes. Like, how? It is quite possibly one of my favorite movies of 2020 and maybe ever. It, well, I mean, 
not movies. It's a series, but mm-hmm. I I think that it is both harrowing and at times hilarious. Mm. And it talks about, you know, sexual assault and the aftermath from uh from a, a really traumatic sexual assault and honestly i cannot believe that with such a compelling story and a beautiful moving performance on her part she was brilliant and she how could you not, not how could she not even get a nomination it was like crickets from <laughs> from 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 the golden globes and like i think these are crickets that they're never going to be able to 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 uh uh, recover to from. take back yeah. you know, recover from you know like this was a a moment that could have meant so much to so many because that uh that it was <laughs> it was the best tv show of 2020 for me and the the it was dry wit it was mm. smart but the but it was so emotionally jam-packed with mm-hmm. with moving acting that that it was overlooked seems to say like it, it was overlooked when something like someone like uh, James Corden was elevated. What does that say James about your Corden, values? Billy Collins. Come on, like, what does that say about your values? What does it say about how you view uh, the uh, the opportunity to acknowledge? Right, like, I think that if we if these award shows are going to continue to exist and be supported and to be you know uh, financed and to be uh, a part of this movie industrial <laughs> complex, yes, I think it has to be said and they have to be held to accountable for recognizing that this is more than just uh, an award or you know some accolade on a, a, a an actor or artist's um you know imdb this is <laughs> yeah. the this is meaningful to show to everyone yeah. everywhere that you that you value representation you value mm-hmm. inclusivity you value acknowledging great work of all kinds exactly and just because it doesn't fit into a, a mold that's easily packaged or that you know you don't think is worthwhile doesn't mean that it isn't worthy of recognition because it represents voices of people who are watching and listening and it's and that is going to be the wave of of the future of television and of everything and yeah. until you get in line with that how can you continue to think you're still relevant the you thing know? is like they haven't been relevant for years oh, well that is i mean that's that's true and like they, they need do, to realize they... that how do you realize that when there is no self-reflection enough to the point to say that like you know, you don't even put forth, right, uh, the the most audacious and daring works of our time. Mm-hmm. And to, to say that it's not means maybe y'all didn't even watch it then. <laughs> Honestly, you, you would have had to be blind and deaf. I just think that representation matters m- more now than ever. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, I think it's more about just having someone win an award it's about the representation of that person in film in media that tells people you can strive to be like this person you can tell stories like this person has told stories yeah and they are trying to in a soft way or not so soft way shape culture to stick to the values that they believe in and Mm -hmm. if you fall outside of the box even if your work is incredible, like I've heard this work has, like uh, uh, again, acknowledging that I have not seen it yet, but the friends that I hold most dear in my life 
have all said that this is exceptional work and mm-hmm. they are far smarter than I am. And so like, I have to stand by them and say that this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think the only thing that I want to make very clear is that like, as someone who, uh, has never experienced sexual trauma in the way in which it's presented uh, through I May Destroy You, that as a, as a, as a fan of, of um, Michaela Cole and as a, as, as a film buff, like I, it can be a, it can be a tough watch. There were moments I had to like pause and walk away. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it is, it is very, very strange daunting television but it's also bracingly human television right because it tells a story and it never looks away from a a tough storyline where other shows so often do and i and the thing that i loved about it more than anything is that it focuses on the crime Mm. that it, it never excuse me it never focuses on the crime because it's so intent on focusing on the survivor and that is the beauty in in the way in which it was depicted and i and for it to be overlooked is just a i mean it's just such a a a slight and a an affront to artistry everywhere honestly i i totally agree yeah i need i need to watch it i found out that recently i found out recently as in yesterday that it is available here in south africa via my show max (laughs) subscription excellent so i need to watch that and that will be a follow-up analysis add it to the list (laughs) add it to the list yes it's very good it's i mean it's better than good um shall we uh move on and take out a little bit of trash (laughs) i'm ready if you are i don't know how much time i want to give this person's name but uh, I just want to let it be known that I find this person to be trash. They shall always be trash. And that I think that this trash should be collected and taken out in 2022 at the very next opportunity. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It is the one, the only Marjorie Taylor Greene. And, and you know, Keith, what is it that you find most of, of the litany of things, right? What do you find most galling about her presence in Congress and what she represents more broadly in the in the body politic. I think it is the fact the fact that she got elected to her position mm. in the house is appalling because mm-hmm. she peddled conspiracy theories the entire time that she was getting elected and yet those people still elected her. So that is bad for her it's bad for america mm-hmm. but i think the most egregious thing that well there are meant i don't think there's a most i think they're all egregious but the thing that kind of like is terrifying to me or horrifying is that someone like her as an adult as your grandmother has so well put it would um walk up behind someone who was a victim of a school shooting who was going to congress to lobby on behalf of gun control and other things Mm-hmm. that she would walk behind them and try to convince them that it was staged. To, speaking of victims, to a victim, to their face, saying the experience that you had, not relevant, fake. I have a gun in my purse. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Bitch, no, mm-hmm. let's not talk about that. Let's talk about how you are fucking crazy and you, 
when you are finally put to justice or like being called out for that, try to give some half-ass apology about, I was led to believe, I was told, big media this, big media that. Bitch, accept some agency in the situation, okay? You are peddling these things. You are thinking that they are real just so that you can get elected because you're trying to tap into this crazy Trump-ass base. Yep. Okay? And Mm -hmm. her saying that Trump is the party no, he's not. Trump is no one. Trump is irrelevant. Trump is no longer a name that I care to share or say in the future of my life. Okay? Yeah. So I, yeah. for so many reasons, she needs to be gone. And the party that is holding her up, it needs to be gone. Not the Republican Party. The people within this current Republican Party need to go. I stand for opposition, and I feel like that's a good aspect of democracy. But this part of the Republican Party is a joke. to go. <laughs> Okay, and the fact that it wasn't an, a unanimous vote to remove and strip her from those committees is ridiculous. And you know, in fact, honestly, when this is, let me tell you exactly how I feel about this. <laughs> okay, please do. That's what we're here for, girl. Girl, let me tell you this: when actual trash. Is placed next to Marjorie Taylor Greene, which honestly, when which is honestly too long of a fucking name to say or type. I want to call that shit. I want to call her that bitch Marge Green. That's that's all she's getting from me. Call her Marge. It, Don't even give her a second. Th- name. That's it. That's it, Marge. When she is placed, when Marge is placed beside trash, trash is honestly wondering what the hell this bad smell is because she is full of the, I mean most pure bullshit I have ever seen in my entire life. She does not believe that the 2018 school shooting in Parkland, Florida, where children were killed, was. she believes that shit was a hoax. She believes that Sandy Hook was a hoax. She believes the other crazy, I mean, farthest reaches of the internet conspiracy theories, like the pizza place in Washington, D.C. was uh, uh, holding, you know, uh, children there who were going to be sex trafficked like that led to an actual uh armed uh, extremist coming in there and shooting because he was there to save the children uh from this pedophile like that's the shit she believes in that is honestly like i can't i cannot comprehend it who voted for her and if she is a reflection of the electorate in her district that voted for her then that electorate too deserves to be scooped out with an ice cream scooper from the from the i mean from the surface of georgia and thrown into the middle of the ocean you are you are i mean worthless there is no (laughs) cognitive thinking in place here there is no logic there is no there's nothing but lies driving every action that you do everything you do is about elevating a platform of lies of hate of division i mean the the racism and anti-semitism that is present every time that bitch takes to a microphone or starts typing real fast on the internet with her opposable thumbs (laughs) she does not deserve any, I, I wish she could just be banished from all good society, but she can't be. And the fact that she was stripped of her responsibilities on committees is all well and good. But honestly, someone like her 
that is not going to change the fact that people are going to look to her social media and all of her, uh, you know, influencing uh, media appearances. Anyone who gives her an outlet, people will look to her and they will start to martyr behind her just like they did Donald Trump. And that is scary as hell. Yeah. The political landscape in 2021 is terrifying. You know, like, she's not quietly holding her beliefs to Mm -mm. herself. And no one is saying that she doesn't have the right to believe in these conspiracy theories. But if she's going to be a conspiracy theorist outwardly and blatantly and loudly and wrongly. And wear it on her masks. Okay. (laughs) Then she should not be a member of Congress. No. Because she's not there to do work for people. She is there to perpetuate a, a platform of that is built on lies and fundamental, like, hatred mm-hmm. for people who are unlike her no. and that to me is just unacceptable i mean i cannot even believe she's given credit that she is even a thing that we are have forced to contend with in 2021 like girl i've been through enough i am black i am gay okay there's <laughs> a, marjorie taylor green is not more. another heel that i want to have to deal with on my neck as well i cannot like she really really just grates my nerves and like oh my goodness. she's she's in the house of representatives i know you have a good salary honey find a better dye job for that terrible weave that you are wearing because... honey her hair is wrecked it is tragic it is those struggle strains of hers. <laughs> she needs a good deep conditioner okay maybe she'd be a better person if she knew what good hair could feel like i mean she probably wouldn't be because she could have all the best hair and her skin <laughs> still looks like the surface of the moon so wow we are honestly we are you know and i don't even want to have to make comments truthful comments about her horrible <laughs> truthful appearance. keyword truthful okay i don't even want to have to resort to that but that's how much i hate her she is a a pox on the house of America. She's a pox on her own facial skin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, she's a pox within a pox. (laughs) Like, girl, I hate her. And I'm so glad we took her out for the trash because that's exactly what she should be. But let's dispose of her in a sustainable, eco-friendly way so that she does not continue to ravage our society once she has burned to the point that she deserves. (laughs) Absolutely. Because I'm telling you, if we did not get rid of her in a sustainable way, she would be the full 1.5 degrees Celsius (laughs) that we would go up. She would be responsible. That's how much bullshit she is. Cow manure. Cow manure. That is it. That's it. Yes. Well, actually, I think it's the cow farts that are more detrimental to the atmosphere, but I get oh, your point. Oh, that's right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And also, shade perceived. <laughs> Listen, okay. I think an antidote to all of this trash we just took out with Marjorie Taylor Greene is for us to focus on, you know, some... Uh, nicer things, some niceties, some some holistic things. So maybe we can talk about each other's highs and lows of the past week. Okay. Well, I think let's let's skip the lows. Because well, <laughs> work. Sure. I think let's let's do the highs. Um. I, listen, I have been waiting to talk to you about this, and we might have to unpack this on an, another episode. But 2021 is proving to be the year of Keith's creative endeavors. Okay. Uh, tell me about I want to hear this. I have dipped into and have begun appreciating the world of asking for help 
and for getting a team around you to support you in the things that you want to get done. Okay, so there are things that I'm doing in 2021, and they include, I'm starting a small business. <laughs> are you serious? That's so yes. fantastic. And as someone who this? follows me on social media, I hope that you know what I'm talking about, but maybe you don't. It is called Melt Cookie Co., and it is a small business of me selling soft, chewy, delicious cookies here in South Africa, who as a country do not appreciate the deliciousness of a cookie that melts along with you, okay? It is called what Melt Cookie Company, and it is oh here. <laughs> Wait, can you describe to me exactly what a melt cookie is? It is a cookie mm, that mm-hmm. when you are having a rough day, will yep, be there to okay. say, I'm here for you mm. and I'm gonna give you what you need. And what you need wow. Wow, wow, is the yes. softness of a hug of the mother that is not by your side. It wow. is the warm blanket on a cold winter's night that tells you, you are safe and you are loved. It is the dark, deep chocolate, okay? Mm-hmm. With a little mm-hmm. bit of salt that pops, just like my tagline for Real Housewives, <laughs> that will look deep into your soul and say, I'm just as deep as you girl and I get it. A cookie is prepared to do all of these things, All of these girl. things for the low, lovely cost of 30 rand per cookie. <laughs> now, for the American, for, for the American girls, could you give us a, 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 a you know. Sure. That's about $2. Yes. And it's Work. worth okay. it. Okay. Because it has mm-hmm. lint mm-hmm. chocolate in it. It has browned butter. It has not one, but two kinds of flour. And it has oh all God. the love that my beautiful little soul has to bring to the table, yes. okay? So you Keith. better spend that 30 rand and you will not regret it. Keith, this should be <laughs> labeled ad, honestly. Okay. <laughs> Non-spawn yet. Non-spawn. Melt Cookie does not have the funds to sponsor a podcast yet, but one day it will. But I am, I'm so proud of you. That's so fantastic. That is so fantastic. I, I have stickers. That. I have business cards. I cannot wait to order. Will you be shipping internationally? I will not yet because oh, okay. we have not reached well, a profit margin yet where that can be affordable. But <laughs> OK, well, you know, I'm here for the second iteration of the business model once you yes. are ex- ready to expand. But I am so excited for you. This is fantastic and such a good. You are such a, a food aficionado. <laughs> I would not expect anything else. Honestly. Once again, this food is... motivated. Food motivated, totally. That's a fantastic hire. Thank you. And and then just like one more that we're, we're not far enough along yet to yes. really get into the details. But I will just say, as someone who has from afar supported my um, musical musings, girl, I have found mm. myself producers and session musicians, and I am actually getting serious about making music to release. And it has been such a wonderful experience to uh, work with these people who actually understand what I'm trying to do and are here to uplift my creative direction. And I will tell you what, I have maybe spent a little bit too much money going off and talking to a little bit and a little bit too many guitarists for one song in particular, but it has been so fun to like put myself out there and have people respond and say, I want to work with you. I like your vision. Here's that what I'm so thinking I can amazing. add to the mix. And then I wake up some days and there's like two guitar tracks for me to hear. And, you know, they're different. Like different individuals are giving me different vibes. But it's so fun to just like 
one, admit that I can't do this. I am not a musician, um, like a trained musician. I have ideas and I have, you know, a strong sense of what I want, but I can mm -hmm. articulate that on a guitar or a piano. And to have people kind of come to the table and say, don't worry, girl, I can help you. Yeah. It's so fun. So stay tuned for the release of Keith Mangum's first EP in 2021, because it is happening. My checks you know have I'm been here signed. For it. Okay. You know I am here for it. <laughs> I've been here for it. I think this is so perfect that you are finally following through on your vision to drop a full album. Six this years later. Oh, listen. <laughs> It does. The road does not. It does not matter how long the journey is. You're getting there, and that's so wonderful. I love that you're following through on this. Thank I'm you. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you. Um, what my are your highs high of the week? Hmm. Well, it's very small, but it is meant quite a bit. No uh, high is too small in this day and age, girl. <laughs> I went and I got these feet buffed <laughs> like Myra's shop on Martin. Okay, you're going to have to go to work on Myra's. That's what she said, and that's what I said. <laughs> and when I tell you, <laughs> these feet feel like they just came out of the womb. Okay, I mean... <laughs> baby soft heels. Baby soft. I It, it was so nice to just relax because I am not someone who is a, uh, a member of the do-it-yourself ministry. That is not my ministry, okay? And <laughs> I, I love that about believe, you. I, I believe in paying people to do what they are good at. And I am. I have been trying to, you know, keep these cuticles <laughs> and nail beds together <laughs> since 2020. And girl, I was so tired of using my little, uh, little uh, heel scraper because it was not strong enough. <laughs> for what I was dealing with, okay? You need some chemical I, solvents? Listen, I need some, I mean, acid vats, whatever <laughs> you can bring. <laughs> but it was just so nice to like be pampered and you know, I felt really good about it. I also went to a place that was like, you know, they really were uh, cautious. Being and, responsible. Uh, <clears throat> and being responsible with COVID safety guards. And so it was just such a nice experience. And you're and supporting it, I, local economy. Absolutely. Look at me. I'm a. It was a plus for you and for everyone economy. else. So we don't have exactly. to look at those people. I mean, listen, you could only wish, beloved. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but well, so what so are you going to do? How are you going to parade these feet around? Well, girl, it's I'm not be open like Doja Cat. season. <laughs> I'm going to be like Doja Cat down to the <laughs> racial chats with my feet in them like this. <laughs> No, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to enjoy them. Are you going to get into a whole new subculture on Grindr where you just post pictures of your feet? Listen, I have found these <laughs> subcultures on Reddit. They exist, okay? <laughs> and it, those are some Well, now's your time places. to shine, apparently, girl. You know, listen, maybe I can start a whole OnlyFans full of just feet photos and videos. Feet content. It's what feet the pedos are here to con see. Tent, okay. Um, if it makes if people like it, I love it. And if I'm getting paid for it, girl, you can do whatever you want with this big Take toe. that coin <laughs> okay. and go get your hair dipped. Uh, well, okay. So next, to me, it's been so nice. Ooh, is that it? It's about time, right? We're wrapping up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, John, this was so fun. I'm super, okay. super excited about this whole new I season. I love this. I love this. I'm so excited to be part of season two of Long Distance Foolery. And this was such a fantastic way to drop into the world with season two. I, I'm really thankful and grateful that you asked me to be a part of this journey with you. And I cannot <laughs> wait for next week. And she came prepared. Girl, I need to step this puss up. 
And well, girl, listen, I'm here to let me upgrade you out of upgrade. But you want my purple labels upgrade. Well, maybe um, after today, you can upgrade the intro song. I think the fans will be excited to hear your vocal Oh, I'm going to lay down some, some very snatched vocals. You just wait. I can't okay. wait. They're, they're going to be like, oh, is that Whitney on the track? Is that Whitney on the track? <laughs> I don't think it's going to go that far, but you, one can hope. As long as you bring the remix of How Will I Know and not the original, because I don't want that bubblegum pop shit. <laughs> okay, Keith, I'll be sure to, you know, really synthesize my voice and put it through, like, you know, uh, Diplo's uh, filter on <laughs> on some one of these devices. I Thank promise you. I'll bring you a really, really strong uh, EDM vibes, if that's what you want. Uh, well, I cannot wait to hear it. And I also cannot wait to see the reaction of your fans to this podcast. Please tell them to write in, oh, comment, like, subscribe, do. and tell us how they we'll want to push do. us to do new things. Absolutely. I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited to share this with my community of friends in season two and hopefully have some of them come and join in on our fun. And I hope they're so as trashy as we are. Because that's well, all they're going to get out of listen, this. Listen, <laughs> trash begets trash. Marjorie Taylor would know, wouldn't she? <gasps> Girl, all right, well, we need to figure out some way, like some tagline to close. I never yeah. had one, but maybe now that it's us two, we can figure out a way to like nicely close it out. Hmm, um, well, you know, why don't we say something like, you know, tell the people what they can do. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're. it's important to, you know, stay moisturized and mind the business that, that is yours and come back and listen to us next week. I don't know. <laughs> we can think it's of, a we work in progress. Right. Anyone has progress. ideas for a tagline for us to close this out, please submit it via Apple Podcasts or, I don't know, DM one of us. Uh, you can find me at Keith yes, Mangum on my Instagram DMs are and very Twitter. dry. <laughs> Oh, and mine is uh, at the guy with a brain uh, on Instagram and uh, at Jay Campbell on Twitter. Perfect. Well, girl, I will talk to you next week. And thank you for I this laugh. Can't wait to talk love. to you later, boo. Looking forward to next week's <laughs> Bye, girl. Bye, girl. Bye, girl.